hungry for you, hungry for your word. God, we need nourishment. Lord, just living in the world, going out, Lord, we, we, we get thirsty, Lord. We get dry. We get famished, Lord, for you and just a sense of your spirit and your presence in our lives. And we know just coming to church and meeting together, worshiping, just replenishes that, renews us, Lord, fills us up, God. And so fill our tank, God, Lord, so that we can go on for the rest of the week till Sunday. And tonight I pray that you bless your word, Lord, that you would use it, God, to speak to us, to change us, to motivate us, God, to fill us with your word so that we may live it. And so, God, bless your word. Anoint it with your Holy Spirit. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tonight we're going to be studying Acts chapter 9. We're back in here. Uh, we're going to study from verse 32 through 43. We're going to be finishing the chapter tonight. And uh, it's been a wonderful chapter. I think this is the third one in our study here in chapter 9. And tonight, our message title is actually Walking the Same Footsteps. Walking the Same Footsteps. Now, uh, again, we're, we're, uh, you're not going to see it on your screen, those, those of you go online. So I guess it's got to be the old way. You actually listen? No. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, just right now, tonight, we don't have the notes and everything up there. But Again, the title is Walking the Same Footsteps. You know, it reminds me uh, of this story of a father who kept a jug of whiskey hidden away in the barn where the corn harvest was stored. It was his daily habit to go out there and get himself a drink. Well, one snowy morning, he went to the barn, as was his habit. But this time, he sensed that someone was behind him, following him. Well, when he turned around, there was his little boy right there behind him, following him, stepping in the actual footsteps in the snow where the father had just walked in that fresh snow. Well, he turned around. He asked the boy, son, what are you doing? The boy answered, I'm just following your footsteps. Well, with that, the father sent the boy back into the house, and he went into the barn and smashed that jug of whiskey the father realized that he did not want his boy to be following his footsteps. Is someone following your footsteps? What would it lead them to? Or maybe we should ask, whose footsteps are you following? Now, as believers, we are to follow who? The footsteps of Jesus, right? Uh, back in 1 Peter chapter 2.21, when we studied that, you remember this verse, it says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. That's 1 Peter 2, 21. Well, tonight, in our passage in Acts, we find how Peter is walking the same footsteps of Jesus. So that's our title, once again, Walking the Same Footsteps Walking the same footsteps. And again, we're going to be studying Acts chapter 9, verse 32 through 43. Now, uh, our passage, I've broken up into three parts, and we're going to see three things here. Number one, the miracle restoration. Number two, the miracle resurrection. And then number three, the miracle renovation. And really, we're going to talk about Peter's heart here. So, those, the three things I'll give to you again. Number one, the miracle restoration. 
the miracle resurrection, and number three, the miracle uh, renovation. The miracle renovation. All right. Well, let's begin with number one, the miracle restoration. The miracle restoration. And here we're going to be looking at verses 32 through 35 in this first section, which let's read this whole section here. Beginning at verse 32, Acts 9, it says, Now, as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda, where he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose, and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. We'll stop there now. While we begin, once again, Luke, the writer, he comes in now, and he, he changes gears here. And he now is talking about Peter, the apostle Peter. So you read here, now as Peter. So our narrative switches from the chapter where it was all about Saul, right? His conversion and God bringing the Holy Spirit and his eyes to be open after that Damascus Road experience and, and how he began to witness. And and um, past few weeks we've been in that talking about Saul. And, and we're not going to see Saul again until chapter 11, actually. He'll come up later in chapter 11. Well, Luke now switches gears, the narrative now goes to Peter. Last time we saw Peter was in Acts chapter 8, verse 25, when he was in Samaria. If you remember, him and John came. There's that Samaritan revival going on. Philip had come into town and sharing Christ. Uh, Samaritans were, were believing in Christ, coming to be saved. This revival went. And then Peter and John came, laid hands on them. They received the baptism of the Spirit. And then the last thing we read in Acts 8.25 is he went back to Jerusalem. Well, we come here, it says, now, as Peter went here and there among them all, among who? The believers. And I like how Luke says, well, we're back to Peter now. Now, you know, we're back to Peter, you guys. Peter went here and there. I, I, I like that thought. He's not in Jerusalem anymore. He's not just sitting in Jerusalem. He's not sitting around there, but he's traveling now. He's going here and there ministering. Maybe he's praying for more believers to receive the baptism of, of the Spirit. Maybe he's going around sharing his testimony, his, his three years with Jesus. What did he learn? Maybe he's sharing and preaching the gospel and people are coming to the Lord. But I love this first part when Luke comes and says, you know, Peter, remember Peter? Well, he's been going here and there. He's not just sitting around. But you know what? Peter's out there taking whatever opportunity there is to share Jesus, to to teach Jesus, to minister, to pray. He's out serving. And that's what I want you to focus on, first of all, here is Peter went here and there. Now, we'll see in Acts uh, um, later, we'll see in, uh, in the next chapter, Acts chapter 10, that God is going to use Peter to really reach out to the Gentiles. Remember, uh, Jesus in Acts 1.8 said, When the Holy Spirit baptizes you, you'll be empowered to be witnesses of me, to share me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So if you think about that, it's not just 
the Jews in Jerusalem or in the county of Judea where Jerusalem is. It's not the Samaritans who were the Hapa Jews, right? Jews, Gentiles. But it goes out into the end of the earth to Gentiles too. Now, I mentioned already, and we're going to see in the book of Acts, that Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. But you know who the pioneer missionary to Gentiles is? It's Peter, not Paul. He's the pioneer apostle to the Gentiles. And we're going to see this in the next chapter. So what we're seeing is Luke is, is kind of ramping up with this. He's leading us into this point, into this pivotal point of the church when they go out and actually share Jesus with the Gentiles. It's not just a Jewish Christian church. It's going to be a Gentile church, and, and Jewish and, and Gentile. And it's, it's going to be a, a big revival with the Gentiles too. So we start with Peter here. He's traveling. He's here and there. He's not sitting around, but out and about serving God in any way he could. And to me, that shows a submitted life. It shows a, a, a life, right? Jesus said, hey, go out, right? Peter's not just sitting in Jerusalem, hey, comfortable, yeah. I mean, what, what did we talk about? 10,000, 15,000 or so in the church in Jerusalem. He's not there sitting at headquarters. Jerusalem church became the headquarters there. Uh, he's not just waiting, well, for big opportunities. You know, I, I know some pastors, well, I only go if I, it's a big opportunity, where there's a lot of people there. No, that's not Peter. He went out by the leading of God to find any opportunities, whether it's big, whether it's small, whether it's one person, or whether it's many. And so I love this. Just this first part where we read now as Peter went here and there. And that's the heart I want. Yeah? That's the heart I want. The miracle restoration that we're going to see in a moment came through one who is willing to step out and be available. That, I want you to see that at first. Here's Peter going here and there. He's not sitting in Jerusalem. But the miracle restoration that we're about to see came through the one who is willing to step out and be available. And that's Apostle Peter here. I read about this businessman who landed at the Dallas airport, and he had like an hour and 20 minutes till his next flight. He thought, well, he asked himself, well, how can I be used of the Lord? Well, God led him to pass out tracts that he carries within, gospel tracts. And so he ran, went around the gate to other businessmen and guys who were just sitting there waiting for their flights. And, and he would go up to them and say, ah, hey, sorry to bother you, but here's a booklet to explain how a person can come to be a Christian, to be saved in Jesus Christ. And if you have any questions, I'll be right over there. I'll be sitting there. Well, when it was time for his flight, there was a line of men wanting to talk to him about how to be saved. And, and also in the story is, even weeks afterwards, he received letters from those that he gave his business card to, to for, for that answer too, to talk to them about Christ. God opened up that opportunity. He didn't just sit there. And I like that. That inspires me. I'm just reading this first part. I went, wow, Peter went here and there. Am I going here and there? Or am I just sitting around? And what Peter experienced, the miracle restoration, came through him who was willing to step out, willing to be available, willing to look for opportunities. And do we even ask that? Do we even say, Lord, how can I be used here? 
Lord, use me here. God, open a door of opportunity. Matthew Henry said, said this, What are candles made for but to burn? <laughs> I love that. I love that. All right. Well, the story goes on. Peter's here and there. He's visiting. He's ministering to different believers. And verse 32 says, He came down also to the saints who live in Lydda. Now, Lydda is 25 miles west of Jerusalem toward the coast, the Mediterranean coast. And today is actually where the main airport is. If you land in Israel, and, go, and then so we st- when we went to Israel, we stayed in a hotel in Tel Aviv. Well, the main airport is in that area, uh, Lodo, or Lodo or something called now. But Lydda is that same area right there. So he ended up down there. He went to the believers, visiting there. And in verse 33, he found a, a man named Aeneas. And he is, uh, that's his Greek name. I don't know. Alan Clark said Hananiah is his Hebrew name. But um, uh, uh, anyway, Aeneas, he was bedridden for eight years because why? He was paralyzed. And so Peter said to him, he called his name, says, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. Now, I, I like that. First of all, Peter gives credit where credit is due. It's Jesus, right? The power of the Holy Spirit comes upon Peter, and, and God leads him to heal this man who is paralyzed. He's been bedridden for eight years. And Peter's not like, well, I'm going to heal you. No, Jesus Christ heals you. Or in other passages, we saw him say, the na- in the name of of Jesus. This is Jesus doing this. Basically, that's what he's saying. Look, Aeneas, look, it's Jesus who heals you right now. I like that. He gives glory to Jesus. And then he says, rise, make your bed. You know what? You don't need your bed anymore. You can walk. And, and immediately he rose, verse 34, and, and he's walking around. Now, by the power of Jesus through Peter and the Holy Spirit, this paralyzed man was healed. You know what? I wonder if probably Peter relived the time Jesus healed the paralytic by the pool of Bethsaida. Remember that? In John chapter 5, by that pool, Jesus told him to get up, take your bed, and walk, and instantly he was healed. I wonder if in Peter's mind go, whoa, deja vu, you know, kind of moment, right? Whoa, this, this is just like with Jesus. Oh, maybe everything, everything came into view here. Everything clicked for him. He could see the man. The, God, uh, the Spirit is leading him. God is leading him to do this, giving him faith to pray and call this out and say, hey, Jesus wants to heal you. And he, all of a sudden the man does that. And he's like, wow, I remember this. The same thing happened. Peter was walking the same footsteps of Jesus. Well, amazing thing in verse 35, and then all the residents of Lydda and Sharon. Sharon is the surrounding plain of Lydda. Sharon means beautiful, so it must have been a very beautiful plain around this town. Well, notice it says that all the residents, right, saw him, saw Aeneas walking, healed, and they went turn to the Lord. They gave their life to the Lord. They got saved. The, the healing, the restoration of Aeneas 
It validated the gospel message. And they saw, whoa, this is real. Jesus is real. And they turned. The word turn is epistrephal in the Greek. And it means to turn around. It speaks from like uh, about turning from their sin and turning to God. Turning around to God. So they repented before the Lord and was saved and gave their heart to Jesus Christ. So masses of people got saved. Can you imagine all the residents of this town and the surrounding area? They got saved through this one miracle. You know, Jesus told the disciples, right? I think this is what Jesus was talking about. In John 14, 12, when he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. I believe Jesus was talking about, you'll do these healings too. And probably Peter's like, whoa, this is, I, this is just like when I was with Jesus. And, and Jesus said, you're going to do greater works. What is the greater works? The greater works is seeing the whole town being saved after the cross. The whole area, masses of people being saved. And so... This is the miracle restoration. And it was not just of a paralyzed man, but the healing of many souls. The healing of many souls. It was a spiritual healing, not just a physical healing that was going on. And we understand that, right? We understand that in God's will and His timing and His sovereign plan, He does not always heal everybody. He doesn't. Some he does, some he doesn't. But we trust the Lord in all of that. Here, Aeneas was healed. But even the greater thing was the, the residents of Lydda and all around Charon, the area there, they turned to the Lord. And there was a great restoration going on of the soul and people were saved. And if anything, that's the miracle restoration. Not just the, the, the physical healing of this paralyzed man, but the, the, the restoration of, of these people with God. That their sins are forgiven, that they can know God, and that their relationship is made right with God. I think about Joni Erickson, or Johnny? Joni? Johnny Erickson Tata, who uh, became a paraplegic. Uh, at 17 years old from a diving accident. Even though she was never healed of that, God used this servant. I don't know if you've seen her pictures of her painting with her mouth, right? Um, her, pa- her paintings are, 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 are collector items now. She's written 50 books, maybe over 50 books. She hosted a daily radio show. She holds five honorary degrees and she's a well-known speaker on top of that. Once in an interview with Larry King, she said this, Sometimes the reasons for what he allows are hidden from our sight. But what we do know is that he loves to redeem and reclaim and rescue and save those who turn to him in need. You see, I need him now more than I did the day of my accident. And maybe that's not such a bad thing. <laughs> She, she writes in her, her, her autobiography how she struggled. She was praying for God 
to heal her. She actually put out a book. I think it was like something like by the beside a pool or something like that, and and uh, you know, kind of cataloging all her thoughts and what what she went through, her disappointment with God, her depression and all that. But but what she saw and what she's talking about even here is that there's a miracle of a deeper healing, a spiritual healing, a healing of the heart, a healing of the soul. And so we see this going on here, the miracle restoration, not just about a paralyzed man, physical healing, but the healing of many souls, spiritual healing of the heart going on. And I'm amazed at this. I'm amazed at this. All right. Whether it's physical, spiritual healing, we, we, we need to do the same. We've got to follow Jesus walking the same footsteps. All right, number one, the miracle restoration. And now we come to number two, the miracle resurrection. The miracle resurrection. Now here we're going to look at verse 36 through verse 42. So uh, a big chunk of the rest of this chapter. But first of all, let's look at verse 36 through 38. It says, Now, there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill and died, and when they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. We'll stop right there. Now, Tragedy comes to the believers in this town of Joppa. Now, Joppa is 10 miles more west. It's on the coast of the Mediterranean. There's a port there. Today, it's called Jaffa in Israel. There's a big seaport there. Joppa is also, if you recognize the name, it's where Jonah got on that boat to, to go the opposite way of where God was calling him to go. So that's Joppa. This is that famous town, seaport, Joppa. So there, there's some believers. And there's one particular believer, and, and we know because it say, says a disciple. When you see that, it means they're a disciple of Christ or a follower of Christ. So they're a believer, and her name is Tabitha. That's her Hebrew name. The Greek name is Dorcas. I would go with the Hebrew name rather than <laughs> the Greek name, right? In today's day, we're like, Ooh, that's kind of offensive, right? But actually, both the Greek and the Hebrew name, you know what? It means gazelle. It's actually a, a beautiful name, you know. And so if, if you want, I'll call you Dorcas. But, you know, um, now nah, I'll stick to the Hebrew name, you know, Tabitha, right? So here's Tabitha. She was full of good works and acts of charity. Now, in verse 39, we're going to see that she made clothes. She made garments. She made tunics for, for the widows. She, she really was a, a, a servant of the Lord, helping people and doing what she can to help other people. And so she did good work. She, she, she was really a caring person and compassionate. But sadly, Tabitha, she got ill. She got sick, it says. And she died in verse 37. And so they washed her. Now, this is a Jewish custom to wash the body, dress them up, to get ready for burial. But rather than burying her, they laid her in the upper room of this house, the, the second level there. And usually she'd go right to, to be buried. But what happened was that 
uh, it says in verse 38, since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, the believers, heard that Peter was there. So they sent two men to uh, get him and, and tell him, please come to us without delay. So Peter was in this nearby town. They're like, whoa, we heard Peter's there. Maybe they heard about the healing of the paralyzed man, and maybe that was big news. What? Peter, the apostle's here? Well, maybe he could come. Now, we don't know. It doesn't say if they're thinking about, well, maybe he could come raising from the dead. I kind of feel like they're not. Maybe they're like, oh, we want you to come and do a celebration of life for us. You know, she, we love her. She, she's a wonderful lady. She did so much for, for the church and the community and all. And so it might have been more like that. And so before burying her, they wanted Peter to come quickly. And so we'll hold off on the burying. We'll put her in the upper, upper room for now. She's ready to be buried. But we want you to first come and we'll do a little memorial service. So, so most likely it was something like that that they wanted Peter to do. So then we see in verse 39 now, so Peter rose after they came and went with them. So he went to Joppa. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. And all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas, or Tabitha, made while she was with them. So he gets there, he gets to the house, he goes to the upper room, he sees what's going on, they tell him. And then in this upper room, by the body, right, is these widows, they're weeping, they're crying. And, and, and they're crying for Tabitha, and then they see Peter, and they're saying, Peter, oh, we loved her so much. She was such a wonderful lady. I wish you would have known her. She made this, and she made this, just showing all the works that he did, the good fruit, the good works, everything that, that she did. So then, well, before I go on, I was thinking about how you can tell they were really hurting, right? I mean, here's their very loved one. They're weeping, and she's so special to us. And it hurt to see this special Tabitha gone. It made me think about Robert Murray McShane. He said, live so as to be missed when dead. This was Tabitha. This was her. And may you and I live like that too. All right, so verse 40. Verse 40 now. But Peter put them all aside and knelt down and prayed and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand, raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows. Saints really talking about the other believers and the, the believing widows. He presented her alive. Isn't that amazing? First time in the book of Acts, someone is raised from the dead. Amazing. I like what happened here. You know, Peter puts him outside. He wants a moment with the Lord. He prayed. He sought the Lord first. Let me tell you, behind every move of God is what? Prayer. Prayer. Every great work of God is prayer. And here's Peter praying. And the Lord must have spoken to him. The Holy Spirit must have moved on his heart because then he turned to her. There's this body just laying there. And he says, Tabitha, arise. I don't know if it was like, Tabitha, arise. No, it was probably just simple, you know. Tabitha, arise. And then can you imagine this? is like a movie, right? All of a sudden, her eyes open. 
And she's probably laying there looking around. And then she sits up. She's like, whoa. And then Peter took her hand and raised her up. So she's standing and then presented her alive to all the believers and the widows that were there. Well, for Tabitha, we see here, it wasn't her time to go, to go to heaven. She's a believer, right? She's a believer. You know, I was thinking about this in 1 Corinthians 5, 8. In the second part, it says, Rather to be away from the body at home with the Lord. You know this verse in the New King James, it says, To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, right? So understand, when we die and we, we you know, this body dies, our soul, right, goes to be with the Lord. So I was thinking about this. Imagine Tabitha, she died. She was dead. They cleaned her body, everything. And, and she must have been with the Lord, you know, but perhaps God's like, hang on. It's not your time yet. What? I want to go. I want to stay. There's more work to do. Remember Paul was saying, you know, I'm not sure if I should depart or stay, but it's better if I stay, so I'm go- I would rather, I'm going to stay. You know, I mean, if it's up to God, I'm going to stay, right? I think, I'm sure her heart, her compassionate heart, she goes, okay, Lord, if it's, if it's not time, then it's not time. I remember Pastor Chuck <clears throat> saying several times that when, when he passes away, when he dies, he he said, don't pray for me. Don't raise me from the dead. If you do, I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> maybe maybe Tabitha, hey, Peter, pray. It wasn't me. No, I don't think that happened. But she still had work to do, so God brought her back. But her testimony is going to be huge. Because it says in the next verse now, in verse 42, And it became known, what, that Tabitha was raised from the dead throughout all Joppa, and what, many believed in the Lord. Again, the gospel was validated that Jesus, by the power of Jesus, I believe Peter witnessed that too to the people, that it was Jesus, not me. And it's believing in Jesus that will raise you from the dead, that we would have eternal life. I mean, you could see the message right there. Here's Tabitha, you know, uh, physically alive again. But let me tell you what's going to happen spiritually. Well, let me tell you what's going to happen bodily. We will be resurrected and live in heaven with God. So again, through this miracle, many were saved just like with the paralyzed man. And I wonder if Peter again relived something that happened years ago. In Mark 5, when, if you remember, Jesus raised, right, the synagogue ruler Jairus' daughter from the dead. And you know what's interesting? In Mark 5, Jesus goes to the daughter, right, that's dead, and Jesus says this, Talitha kumi, which means little girl rise. And here's, here's Peter, Tabitha, arise. Isn't that kind of cool? I think God's like, this is so cool. Watch this, Peter. <laughs> yeah, you're going to love this, Peter. It's going to click. I bet you he re- relived that. He must have thought, wow, 
Oh, chicken skin, right? He must have thought, I'm walking the same footsteps here. Lord, you're using me. You're using me in that way. I'm, I'm following after you. I'm doing the, the same work. So we see the miracle resurrection here. And it was not just Tabitha, but we also see the spiritual life of Mani and Joppa, right, being resurrected. You know, that made me think about Ephesians 2.5 that says, Even when we are dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So you can see that though there was a physical body resurrection here with Tabitha, people, many in Joppa, they were raised, made alive in Christ Jesus. So it's a correlation. You know, wasn't it that way for us before Christ? My life was dead. It was dead. I was going nowhere. I had no purpose. I was looking for a purpose, but I had no purpose. I thought I had purpose, but I was empty. Yeah? I, was, I was like a, really a zombie, walking dead. Yeah? You know, kind of thing, right? That's how we were spiritually, if you think about it. But then Christ came into my life, and I'm alive now. I'm alive because I'm a new creation. I'm alive because the Holy Spirit is in us. The Holy Spirit is in me. We're alive, you guys. We're alive because we have purpose in our life. We have meaning in our life. Is that true for you? It should excite us. Wow, God, what do you have for me? Wow, Lord, where, where am I heading, Lord? Where do you want to bring me? How can I further the kingdom with this life you've given me, with this opportunity and this chance to still live here? Think about Dorcas or Tabitha, right? Oh, hey, you're not done yet, Tabitha. Sorry, you got to go back. You still got to make some more clothes for so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. You know, why are we here? Because God still wants to use us to bring Christ to other people, to help, to serve. That's why we're still here. Do you have new life? Are you alive in Christ? Is it true for you? Have we left that old life? that past life, we need to. Ephesians 2.5, He made us alive together in Christ Jesus. That's what it is. So walking the same footsteps, we have the miracle restoration, the miracle resurrection, and the very last verse for tonight is this, the miracle renovation. The miracle renovation. And so verse 43 now, the very last verse of chapter 9, it says, And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. So here's Luke writing, oh, some exciting stuff. Yeah, you know, oh, the paralyzed man healed. Oh, the, the whole town and surrounding area, all the residents got saved. And then Tabitha's raised from the dead. That, that's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And many in Joppa were saved. And then we come to verse 33, and it's like Luke is like, well, and you know, he stayed in Joppa for a while with this tanner named Simon. It's kind of like, all right, maybe footnote, let's go on, let's skip, let's go to chapter 10. But this is important. 
This chapter ends with Peter staying in Joppa. He hung out there. Probably continued to teach, to minister there, sharing, you know, his testimony and his life of Christ, teaching what he learned from Jesus, praying for the Holy Spirit to come upon people, uh, praying with people to receive Christ. But you have to understand, Luke is writing something very amazing that he stayed in Joppa. But it's not so much that. But he stayed with one Simon. And remember Peter's you know, original name is Simon too. Um, but the last thing you see is that Simon is a tanner. What's a tanner? A leather worker. Someone works with leather, right? And for, for Jews, a tanner is a un, very unclean person because this tanner right, turns animal, dead animals, you know, takes their hides, make them into leather products and stuff. And so a tanner works with dead animals all the time. And so for a Jewish person, you know, growing up in that tradition, if you handle dead things, you're unclean. And this guy, this is his job, so he's unclean the whole time. Matter of fact, some of the the writings, some of the um, uh, Jewish or rabbinical writings even say, um, kind of plain, but kind of saying, look, if you're, if you're a wife, you're married to a tenor, you can divorce him. That's really bad. So this is looked at really, really bad. What God is doing, what Luke is pointing out here, is God is after that deep-seated prejudice that's inside Peter. And he's breaking, God is breaking it down and he's removing that. Now the final blow for this devout Jewish man, Peter, will be next time. When we look, go into chapter 10. And, 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 but, but look what's been happening, all right? Just, just, just understand this. Remember back, okay, chapter 8, I mentioned the Samaritan revival were happening, right? The Hapa Jewish Gentile guys. And, and the pure Jews, they looked down upon the Samaritans, right? Because they were Hapa. They intermixed race and, and, and they hated them. But what happened? They were being saved. And who went to pray upon them? The baptism of the Spirit. Peter and John. Peter. Peter was there. So here's God starting to break down this prejudice. Next, we read here in our story tonight, a paralyzed man. Most likely, uh, people with health problems, especially something like that, they're, they're poor. They're like homeless, basically. Uh, the Pharisees looked upon people like that as, as not favored by God. They're, they're, they're sinners, so they tried to stay far away from them. They're low on the uh, ladder of society because of their condition. Well, God leads Peter to this paralyzed man. And to heal him. And the whole town gets saved. Here's this devout Jewish man, Peter. Now, things are breaking down, right? That prejudice inside them. And then we read, here's this believer now. She's already a Christian. A woman, Tabitha. And in Jewish society, really, women were lower too on the society. They're treated low in society. And on top of that, she's dead. And if in a pure Jewish sense, if he went there, you know, touched a dead body, he grabbed her hand, lifted her up, he would be unclean, right? 
But God led Peter, brought him to pray and raise her from the dead. So boom, boom, boom. He's breaking down. God's breaking down this prejudice. And now he's actually staying in the house of this tanner. The old seated traditions, the bias, the prejudice, they are being broken down. And you know what? God is building it back up with what? Love. Love. Like Christ. Love. Love. I think echoing in Peter's mind was this, John 13, 35. It says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is how Jesus was. This is now Peter. He's a changed man. This is the way. The Mandalorian way. No. (laughs) This is the way. I like that, though, (laughs) in the series. You know, when they say, this is the way, I think, yeah, Jesus is the way, right? I like that. We should be saying that. This is the way, right? So the miracle renovation is of Peter's heart. The miracle renovation is of Peter's heart. It was breaking down the prejudice and rebuilding it with love. We're going to see more just open up in the next chapter when when God calls him to Cornelius, this just Gentile Roman leader. We're going to see when 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 this sheet of of animals in a vision comes down and Lord, the Lord says, eat. And he goes, no, I've never done that. No, there's unclean things there. And the Lord said, what I say, eat, eat. And we'll get into that next time. So you see, the Lord's really breaking down that Jewishness and traditions And here with people, the prejudice. And he's rebuilding it with love. You know, Peter's getting to a point where he hardly recognized him than before. He is a different man. He is something way different. We've been slowly, like, renovating our our house. And uh, uh, the other day, we had at our house the granddaughter of the previous owner whom we bought the house from um, her husband had built the house and he passed away of cancer but the, the actual granddaughter was there and she's like oh we had family get togethers in this house and I stayed in this house and we have a cottage oh my husband and I we even lived in a cottage for a bunch of years and it was kind of cool talking to her and we have had fun talking story and everything and and we had renovated it in, inside and, and I know there was a big difference from before when she grew up yeah Probably hardly recognizable. But I was thinking about that. God's doing a work in our own hearts. Do people see a big difference from before? Are we still caught up in the same stuff? This, this, the same way we've always looked at people. Yeah, The, 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 the way we kind of, hmm, I don't know about that guy. Whether it's a race thing or... Or all social, you know, social ladder kind of thing, skin color, or, or where you live, or whatever, you know. Oh, you, you Kihei guys, you know. No, but you know, kind of. What are we still like that? We shouldn't be. We shouldn't be. It's easy to fall into the enemy's trap, especially when bad things happen, when we're hurt, right? We see other people through dark lenses. Say, oh. Because they're, they're from that family. Yeah. Or they're from that area. Or they're from the mainland. It's easy. 
I understand that. But we got to remember Jesus died for them too. We're all under the same blood. How do we see people? Oh, I, I like this with Peter. There's this miracle renovation going on in his own heart. And we see how God is breaking him, breaking that down, but rebuilding him and seeing, wow, these guys are believers. Wow, they have the Holy Spirit like me. Wow, God is working in their life. Wow, we're in the same family. That's what I see. Well, I'll close with this. Along those lines about seeing people, this preacher stood before the congregation and held up a large piece of paper and took a big marker from his pocket, put a good-sized dot in the middle so everyone could see it, and he held it up. And he, he asked the church, what do you see? Well, one person quickly spoke up for all to hear. I see a black mark. That's right, said the pe- preacher. What else do you see? There was silence for a little while. Until the preacher asked, do you see anything else than this big dot? Well, a chorus of no's, no, 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 was, was heard throughout the sanctuary. I'm really surprised, remarked the preacher. You have completely overlooked the most important thing of all. And he said, the sheet of white paper. Everyone was so focused on that mark. I think we do that. We focus in on that that black mark of one's past. And we don't look at the white sheet of what God has done to cleanse all of us of our sin. We've got to follow Jesus. He loved unlovable. Even those who spite him. So let's live in the way we should. Let's be what Jesus does. Let's follow him. And like Peter, who went before us, let us also be walking the same footsteps. Let's pray. Lord, it's so easy for us to slide and to see people differently, God. To slide back to our prejudices, And maybe because of our hurt, maybe because some bad things has happened, but ultimately we are all under the cross and we need to forgive. So God, give us grace. Forgive us, Lord, for not being forgiving. But Lord, may we see each other as people to be loved just as you loved us, Lord. We were unlovable, yet you still loved us. And so God, I want to make a choice and let us all make a choice to live like how you live, to love like how you love, to follow in your footsteps. And Lord, I don't know, sometimes we, it's hard for us because it, it means releasing control even. God, if we give grace, if we love, love then, then will I have justice? What, what, how about what Me? How about what happened to me, Lord? But God, we must trust you, Lord, in whatever circumstances that you take care of us, no matter what. Lord, help us to follow your footsteps. 
Just as we saw Peter, God, we want to be available. We want to be here and there, moving, not sitting. And whatever opportunity comes, Lord, God, help us to hear your Holy Spirit and what you want us to do. And even if we face hard situations, maybe people who are truly paralyzed or sick or or when there's a death, it, it's hard. It's hard to know what to say or do. But God, help us, Lord, in those situations that we may shine your light, your love, share your gospel, bring comfort, your presence, and the Holy Spirit. And God, may we pull down our fences that we built to keep certain people out. May we have open doors to welcome anybody, God. And may your love flow through us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your spirit here convicting us, drawing us to the cross, bringing us to a place of repentance so that we may be forgiven and cleansed and healed. Heal us, God. Heal our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.